0: This TGC debate review is a good faith product of the Restless podcast. All audio is used for fair use commentary. The audio from the debate was edited for time. The unedited audio and reaction can be found on the Restless live stream where this was recorded. This has been Deep Fake, Pastor Mark. This is Restless. Pastor Michael, we've made it back to another... Good Faith Monday. This is kind of, of fun, Wednesday. isn't it? I like this.
1: I like having this in the schedule. We I get do to too. do this.
2: I, I think my too. wife might
1: be watching tonight. She said oh. maybe she'd watch a little bit. I was frantically trying to get everything ready. I So, true confession. In good faith, I should say that I thought that we were going to start at 8.30. Oh <laughs> so. So I got a text from Matt that said, you know, he sent the link to jump on and then he said, I'll be back in a minute. And I was like, A yeah. minute? You've got like half an hour. And then I looked at uh the actual link and thought, uh oh, I better get ready. So
0: Well, we are ready for this good faith Monday, good faith debate. We hope uh we hope we'll have some folks joining us throughout. Pastor Michael, do you uh do you need to send out any uh you send out the link i will i'll
1: send it out right now i'll make sure everybody gets on that we can Um, it's awesome folks were waiting yep waiting for it uh shout out to graham who said he's got it on his tv
0: so that'll be that will be a good time so we have as much of this debate to watch as we can which is tgc's uh good faith debate should christians send their kids to public school that is the topic of tonight's good faith debate. Now, I don't want to spend too much time discussing other things because, Pastor Michael, as we have said, we have a hour and a half, and there's nothing more good faith you can do than critiquing a good faith debate. And so um, don't worry, Trevin Wax. I know you are worried about someone weaponizing good faith debate, and if you try and <laughs> shut down a conversation about good faith debate, that would be the exact way to weaponize a good faith debate to claim to bring that up right
1: can't you i mean you've you've got to say what you're quoting
0: right if anybody doesn't know two days after we did our first review tgc posted a article that was too long and not not exciting enough for me to read about the fear and the warning against weaponizing good faith debate
1: this is real everybody (laughs) charlie self has joined the chat and uh they're responding to us now obviously they're probably not (laughs) they're probably not responding to us but i don't know i don't know maybe we have a secret fan somewhere in there or at least somebody who secretly watches through an anonymous account or something like that please we're watching the chat tonight if we don't recognize your name we're just going to assume that if you are are trevin wax
0: if you are the if you are the TGC anon watching, let me just present this, this article. May 9th, immediately after we did this, um, there have just been a few times with TGC where it has just felt too conveniently similar to something we have just discussed. and
1: It's, it's either a response or... Another option is that God loves us and he just providentially brings these things about, uh, right after we speak about them for our enjoyment. And yep. I mean, either way, I have no doubt that it's for our enjoyment, but.
0: Yeah. So by the way, we are, we are embodying the goal. We are in, engaging in hard critique without canceling people. Right. So we are, we are, we are on our way and Trevin wax, um, Thanks, man. We, uh, we appreciate the shout out. If you are a TGC anon uh, watching our stuff, please let us know, you know, sign up for like one of those like temporary emails and, uh, send us an an email from your burner. So yeah. Before
1: we get started, everybody who is in the chat, like the video, share it with somebody right now. The, the sooner we do that, the faster it kind of, you know, eats up the algorithm and uh we can maybe get some other folks watching
0: that's right our last one it was uh was very well viewed over the week after it so pastor michael it's been five minutes it is time for us let's do it let's let's get in trouble matt (laughs) i think we certainly will This is from season two, by the way. Welcome to TGC's
3: Good Faith Debates. These are a series of conversations designed to help you navigate difficult and maybe even polarizing issues in contemporary life and culture. My name is Jim Davis, pastor of Orlando Grace Church, and it is a privilege to be able to be here and moderate these debates. The topic at hand today is the education of our children. This is a very passionate and complex issue because this involves those that we love most in the world. And it's complex because there are many different variables based on conviction and context and finances and family dynamics. So I appreciate today that we get to have Jen Wilkin and Dr. Jonathan Pennington join us to talk about this very important issue. Jen Wilkin is a Bible teacher and author in Dallas, Texas, mother of five, Dr. Pennington is a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, a pastor and father of six. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today.
2: Thanks
3: for having us. So, Jen, we'll start with you. What is your perspective on this issue? Oh,
1: interesting.
2: So they're not even... my perspective is heavily autobiographical. Um, My kids did go to public school, and uh, not only that, but my family is filled with public educators. Uh, My mother...
0: All right. So just a brief moment. We are getting the pro side first and apparently having people present off to the side was too aggressive.
1: Yeah. Well, notice if a couple of things need. that have changed already from season one to season two. It's interesting to see one and now the other, because I haven't watched any of their other of their videos um, really? I've seen clips from this one, <laughs> but that's it. So the moderator presents first, right? The moderator starts and frames everything. So yes. that's interesting in itself. Um, and then to have, to have this, Hey, it's literally not even, I mean, they're calling it a good faith debate still, but they're sitting down. There was, there's no, uh, there's no formality to it. Like you saw in the first one, they're right. sitting down having a chat, which by the way, one of the things we said, I think, or at least I said is, Hey, the way you really hash these things out is not in this debate format but where you sit down and have a long
0: form conversation back and forth.
1: I think I also said unmoderated, but.
0: (laughs) Well, I I don't. And I think we're still going to get the like long form opening statements. Right. I don't think we're going to get just a conversation. Um, Anyways, we continue.
2: Taught in the public school system at all levels, all of her career. My father served on the school board in our hometown um, my siblings and I were all public school educated. I have a brother who is an assistant principal at a public high school. I have a brother who was in the inaugural class of Teach for America. He taught a year in Bedford-Stuy in, in New York City and a year in rural Arkansas and ended up with a teaching career in rural Arkansas. Um, yeah, my sister-in-law teaches at the middle school in my district right now. My mother-in-law is a retired teacher. Wow. My daughter <laughs> is a chemistry teacher who's taught in the public schools. And I have a nephew who's going to be a history teacher. So there are we're, we're all in on the public schools uh, in our family. And you can imagine that as oh. someone who was in full-time outward facing ministry that was met with a lot of raised eyebrows through the years, um, especially when you have a, a larger than average number of kids. People immediately assume that if you were a person of strong religious convictions with a large family, you are either homeschooling or doing private school. Uh, and we didn't. And we did uh, choose public school out of conviction, but I always like to make clear upfront that we did not have any special considerations in that. Our kids um, did not have learning disabilities. There were no special concerns that might have played into that decision for us, and I'm very sensitive to that. Not only that, we always lived near excellent schools. So I would never say everyone should choose public school, uh, but I would say that we should try really hard to, if at all possible. Out of
0: conviction. uh, Because
2: we believe in the public school ideal Uh, We believe that education is a right. It's necessary for human flourishing. It's good for society. Uh, It's a mark of civilization that you have an educated uh, citizenry. And so if that is something that you can see, then you would value that you would have quality education for everyone, if at all possible. And we believed that our participation in the public school system was directly related to loving our neighbors and so if we could opt in at all then we absolutely wanted to Uh, so we did we opted in and um, i would say that um, one of the big things that helped us to be able to say yes to the public schools was. Uh, that we believed that worldview came from your home, your worldview and your values came from your home. And I think that that's what everyone believes in the education debate, but I don't know that the public school parent always gets credit for that perspective. Education, the quality of education piece was not a question for us. We knew they would get an excellent learning experience and we welcomed the social aspect of it. The public schools were uh, an easy yes for us in this space that we were in. So the kids went all the way through public school. Um, Some of the issues that are now more emerged in those spaces were already emerging at that time. And so some of the things that we felt were beneficial was that we knew we had to have conversations early. Uh, We did not delay on talking about difficult uh, or controversial subjects and we knew what was going on with the curriculum as well. We had firsthand knowledge of what was going on in those spaces and we worked hard to make sure that we were up to speed on that. It helped that we had a family member who's in the district who could help us sort through what was fact and what was fiction when everything was blowing up and like a Facebook discussion group in the community to sort of sort out what was really going on. Um, but one of the big benefits that came from having children in the public school system from our perspective was they had an exposure to such a broad array of kinds of people so that when we had conversations about something that was going on in the culture um, or even the, the hot button issues right now, like, like sexual orientation, gender identity, all of that, um, those were not just categories that we talked about. Those were people. Those were friends. That was an embodied truth. That was someone who sat next to them in class or it was a teacher. Not only that, they were around children from different socioeconomic levels. They were around children um, from different uh, racial communities. They were around um, special needs children. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about the public schools is that children with special needs are actually in in with the other children. They have a buddy system to help these kids, and they're they're visible in the lives of these kids every day. Um, so they also had exposure to kids whose home situations were very different than theirs and one of the things about a public school experience is no one is really pretending it's all right out there and so our kids knew very early what it meant to be aliens and strangers. And that was something that we we're able to say to them was something, a feeling to welcome, not a feeling to push away. I do think one of the misconceptions about from a very Christian parents age. who send children to public school is that we've sent them there to be missionaries, to be salt and light. And I crack up about that because the kids were actually involved in a Bible study at the school there in high school that was called Salt and Light and I was like shoot. <laughs> but uh, but the reality was we sent them there for an education and uh, we knew that we would have a role as their parents probably in being salt and light and we assumed that if they grew into their faith and, and did in fact you know become believers and then um, mature into that, that there would be that influence. But we were not trying to send a second grader into a secular space, to share the good news uh, we, we we wanted to train our kids into that so that anywhere they went that became something that was intuitive but we didn't we were not on mission in that sense uh, in the local school yeah they all graduated um, from the public school system with an overwhelmingly positive experience and with um with a world-class education and they went on to go to pub to a large public university as well after that and um we look back on it. And I think now the question that I get most frequently is like, but you wouldn't do that now, right? Like knowing what you know now. And uh, my answer would be that yes, I would, because I know what our school district is and isn't teaching. And uh, what I see happening now around this conversation is a great deal of misinformation and fear-mongering Uh, Some of the things even in our own district that parents will say are being taught, I know are not being taught. Uh, And what I think is happening is people read an article about something that happened somewhere else or they hear a story. There's a lot of hearsay that travels around about what is or isn't going on. I think there are legitimate things to be concerned about with a public school education. But whether your district is actually the one that is implementing those things or not is something that you should get firsthand information on, not have heard about from someone else. I recently uh, put some information on this perspective up in my stories on Instagram and I don't spend enough time on Instagram for the algorithm to feed me a lot of attention. And so when I say that I got hundreds of DMs in response to what I put up in support of public schools, that is not normal for me. And almost all of them were from Christian teachers in the public schools who said, I have been vilified and maligned by my Christian community because I teach in the public schools. And there's no such thing as a decision that's made just for our families. In fact, even having the gift of the decision at all means that you're a person with more choices than some people, and those who don't have a choice of where they will educate their children will be impacted by your presence, your adult parent presence not being in the public schools because you've chosen to go somewhere else. Uh, We can look back in not too recent history on this and see the impact of when a large number of Christian parents decide to opt out of the system and how it impacts those who are left behind. And so I do think it's very important for us to understand that while, yes, we do what is best for our families, we don't do so in a vacuum. We understand that what we do for our family always impacts the community around us and that we should look to the welfare of the city in which we live and that there are a lot of ways to do that. Even if I de- I realize that my kids cannot go into my public schools, and I, I do know what that looks like. You know, I, I have a brother who lives in a very rural setting. Um, I do know what that looks like. But even if I realize that my own children will not be going to those education spaces, how can I, as a person who cares for the widow and the orphan, who cares for the fatherless, how can I be a person who still maintains a giving presence in that space. How do I support the teachers? How do I support the administrators? How can I volunteer in ways that are going to bring life into a system that does serve the last and the least, uh, even if I can't convictionally say I could put my own kids there? And then just in closing, I would urge charity. And I know that these are good faith discussions, not bad faith ones. Yeah. So I'm going to just think that this is a good Copper. place to be able to just acknowledge that they're is a way to follow our convictions for our families and still uh, not have to malign the decisions of others in doing so. Um, particularly when it comes to public school, I think we're, of the of the public, private, or homeschool options, I think we're the punching bag right now. Um, there's no reason that we wouldn't support teachers who love the Lord, who have stayed convictionally in those spaces. There's no reason. And yet that's, you know, they hear things like, the hellscape that is the public schools—that's one of the epithets that I've heard thrown out there—and <laughs> it's like, well, is that true? Are we saying what's I think true I've said that. <laughs> and when we say that, um, and so my 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 encouragement would be that um, everyone feels strongly about where they land on this. Everyone—it's a big decision, and you yeah. should you should feel deep conviction about where you land. Um, but to recognize that um, there is such thing as a convictional position on public schools for, for well-intentioned Christian parents and um, and that children can come through the system and not just survive it, but that they can go on to thrive.
3: Now, Jen, thank you for that perspective. I appreciate the way you've thought through it. I appreciate the charity that you're offering for people who make a different uh, decision, and, and you've really addressed process. some... About uh, some kids. talking points that you do hear out there that, that you've thought through really well so thanks for what you've done with your family and telling us about it here alright
1: Jonathan it's <laughs> your turn <laughs> uh, alright can I just right off the bat just say with that this kind of moderation it feels so uh, it, it feels so like oh I've heard you like a listening circle oh hey, yeah that's what we're doing place. we're doing oh I've I heard you thank you thank you for I sharing know. your heart with me <laughs>
0: Who doesn't love to be t- told after you like attempt to persuade people? I hear you. <laughs> that for me is like no. Don't say that. Like <laughs> I, 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 I heard. Your, I so heard, patronizing. <laughs> I heard your words that you were speaking to me. <laughs> no, I don't want. I don't want that. I want you to say yeah or no. Like too much Midwest nice. All right, Pastor Michael. Should I start with uh, points of of agreement or things I can. Uh, cheer on um, I think that would be good I, I think it's cool. helpful to know let's,
1: maybe let's, where we're coming from and yeah and yeah I realize we need to admit improve. our
0: own just like Jen Wilkin admitted everyone she's related to teaches in a public <laughs> school there is like significant most financial motive for my whole family that this continue <laughs> yeah we probably owe it uh owe it to them to uh to make this statement. So um, (laughs) my children are part of a homeschool co-op and we do so, I guess I will say out of, um, well, we may have to come back to this word conviction. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Um, I believe that the best way to obey uh, the Lord's commands to fathers and parents is to have my children in the the homeschool co-op that they are part of, which is Christian. And so that is That is where we are coming from on it. Um, And so you can, um, I want that to be known so that people can make their own judgment. And so, I and I'm not doing that to like celebrate every single person who's ever homeschooled a child. So, yes, uh, right. And 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 we we too, we
1: too homeschool. Um, We homeschool, we don't, we're not really a part of a co-op or anything like that. We do it all kind of on our own, at least right now. Uh, But given, I mean, my oldest child is only seven. And so we've we've only got you know four at home only through seven so so homeschool is not it's not as though we've gotten up into the older ages yeah. yet and yeah. so um, our decisions may change as that happens but but right so, now likewise we think it's best to in your and for course. us by the way we've actually chosen not to be a part of a homeschool co op not because there's not great ones right classical conversations some others uh, going on in the area a lot of good stuff uh, really grateful for those things have a lot of folks at our church and. And a lot of folks we know that are a part of them, uh, but uh, for us, especially being maybe a bit more entrepreneurial minded, building some side hustles, businesses, having a farm, um, these things are not. It's not really conducive to have kids out a lot, even even in part, right? Even to go, you know, two days a week, three days a week, to something. It just becomes difficult when we yeah. have a lot of extra things at home right, that right. our kids are a part of. So, so that's why we do
0: what we do. And how were you educated, Michael?
1: Uh, so I I was publicly educated through kindergarten. <laughs> uh, no, I, I went my whole life, uh, you know, after kindergarten anyway, to, uh, to a private Christian school um, that my mom was also a teacher at for many, many years, just retired from teaching last year.
0: Mm, great. I, uh, well, my parents intended to send me to, in fact, the same Christian school, the the interesting <laughs> uh, connections Michael and I have, and perhaps for the patrons, I will explain how and why I asked my Christian parents to send me to a public school as a fourth grader. So that may be a good that'll be an interesting conversation. So so there it is. And from then on, I was a government school kid and went to a large public university and got all the student debt. I did everything you're supposed to do. So um, and now we're 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 doing this debate so let's start with uh let me say two things hey i agree with you jen wilkin let's let's all together agree we are banishing to to you know like to the depths of space the argument we should send our kids there as missionaries let's agree that no one should seriously <laughs> argue that point ever agree ever again that's gone that is done um this is and this is but this is the most common argument. Yeah, this is the most common argument. And so I greatly appreciate that um, she brought this up uh, and said we need to dispense with it. This is a horrible argument, right? Yeah. The idea that your children like, can you imagine taking the children, the Sunday school at your church and saying we are now going to go work as missionaries in Africa for the next year? That would likely be a less intense missionary environment than what you're asking them to do. Their peer group is formational. Um, they are away from you, right? There are, there are all kinds of pressures. The primary authorities in their yes. life on a
1: day-to-day basis, um, often for more hours of the day than their parents even, yes. are, are also, you know, uh, most
0: likely from a more secular disposition. Because, right, at least if we're missionaries in Africa, we're with a group of people and we're all working and trying to do the same thing. And, and in fact, even if your child is particularly mature in the faith, which I hope, right, I hope if your children are older, um, they are there eight hours a day to listen and be spoken to, not to speak. And so, again, it's not that they won't be without, there couldn't be an opportunity. Um, but, again, tell me what age your child is prepared to begin to engage in that um, and i will tell you we have a lot more children leaving the faith in in their high school and as they graduate than who are coming out fully prepared right. and that's not true for all children which is a good thing right so this is an that's an area of total agreement i am i'm with her on that i'm <laughs> I'm, with glad, her. I'm glad you found some of that <laughs> i did i have one other thing um to say in agreement we well, i guess i'll speak for me I do not vilify um, Christians who teach in the public schools. That um, is a valid, um, that is a valid career choice for.
1: And if you're talking about somebody being sent into public education to be salt and light, to be a missionary, absolutely, it would be great if Christians decided to do that. Now, for various reasons, that may not be possible because of where things are at. Um, you may be run out of those places. But I know many um, good folks, uh, good Christian folks that are in in uh, the public education world and God yep. bless them for it. And that's, you know, I'm glad they, and literally they really can be
0: be uh, doing the Lord's work in those places and that's good. And there are many Christians in many vocations and fields that are hostile to the Christian faith. Yep. And as long as you are able to do so without um, compromising your Christian convictions, then go to it, right? Like that is, right? Teaching children is a good thing to do. That is a 100% different question than should my children go to a public school though. Yes. Couldn't even, not it's, even in the same world. Of that's discussion. why
1: even to set things up with, look, I love public education because look at all my family who's in it. Look at all, you know, look at all this good that people can do in it. Look at how we should not cut these things off because we want to love our neighbors. We want to be good to our neighbors, so we shouldn't completely exclude ourselves from the public education world. Uh, that that may be true, but that is not the same thing as this is how we as Christians should train up our children. Right. That's that's very different.
0: Yes. So again, she is is seemingly playing for keeps in her argument. She sent her children to the public school out of conviction. Yeah, out of conviction to love her neighbor, which is yeah. a direct command of Christ and the duty of every Christian. Because it's a
1: right, I'm adding to what you're saying, because yeah. it's a right yeah. that everybody should have. And they believe firmly in the public school ideal right. is another thing that she said while talking about loving neighbor and, and all of
0: that. And in case you were saying, wow, because many this is a comment that many people do and we all acknowledge how things are changing. You know, well, you're gonna tell me this the problems or the concerns you have that would cause you not to send someone to the public school now weren't present then. Her answer, they were. Right? So even that idea, we <laughs> we're cutting that off. Boom, gotcha, Matt. Yep, boom. <laughs> you thought
1: you thought that I just did it back in the day when everything was safe. Don't worry. They believed in all kinds of, you know, messed up stuff then too.
0: <laughs> yeah now here's what's strange can i say i'm about to should i make that crazy claim no one expects me to make about the person defending public education because that is the majority of what of, of what the majority of christians do evangelical christians as well um that is we have entered into like a form of legalism right when you are telling me because because i will start spoiling where i think pastor michael and i'll come um, I will put in the show notes of this, the PCA's report on public education, on what uh, to think about. It. Very helpful. Let me spoil a little bit of this going forward. Ephesians 5 commands parents to raise fathers to raise their children in the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. And the word instruction is this word padea it is this word for culture it is this word it is this like encompassing word raise them in an encompassing way in the lord obviously this probably calls back to deuteronomy where mm-hmm. instruct them as you get up as you go whenever you're going like you need to include right god it's, it's,
1: it's a whole orb whole of life right everything in everything that you're doing right training them in everything they do and everything you do every piece of it you're training them to love god with all
0: heart soul mind and strength and to love neighbors yourself you're doing in all of these pieces right and paul then doesn't say so start a homeschool co-op or Mm -hmm. petition the roman government to start broad-based government education these are methods and applications And we all have to admit there are certain applications that would be opposed to what Paul has commanded. For example, if I said, let me give a homeschool example. If I said, I'm going to homeschool my kids and I'm going to, this is a thing people describe, unschool them. They're going to get no education. They get to learn what they want. (laughs) They just, you know, kids, they're good at just picking the right (laughs) thing. So we're just going to let them do it. They're (laughs) going to pick the discipline and instruction of the Lord and teach themselves to read and learn math, and, <laughs> right? You know that. how gardens work. You just yes. let it go. <laughs> That's right. We would also agree that like us, you know, like oftentimes when we, we talk about people living in overseas cultures where the schools would be specifically Muslim, right? People are like, well, you wouldn't, you'd never send your kid to that. And you go, why? Well, because it's taught from a worldview directly opposed to Christ. And I'd go, okay, that's, I like how far do we want to extend that? Right. So there are, so why I'm saying this is a legalism is when we say you have to use this method of education to love your neighbors for the yeah. good of everyone. Right. We're saying
1: that specific way to
0: this is how you do that. Exactly. And this is why, while we will get to different questions about Christian education, if Pastor Michael said using a co-op was wrong, or I said, Pastor Michael, your children must be in this kind of co-op for them to receive this education. You better have a verse, friends. Otherwise you have added to the word of God. And that's, that is the danger when we're making applications, right? I can say with biblical authority, you have a mandate to disciple your children and give them a Christian education. That doesn't mean I have the right to tell you exactly what application that looks like for you. Um, and which and is will- why, by
1: the way, I don't think either of us would say, um, at all times and all places – uh, you cannot send your children to some kind of school that is public that Correct. is you know uh, something that that the the community does together. Yes, uh, we wouldn't say that because that is one particular method that can be used well and can be used poorly, right? right. It can be sinful and it could be just fine. And so um uh, so same thing goes goes on that side of the line
0: and and the question for someone like Jen Wilkin is, Jen, what is the line yes. a school district or the American government education system could cross that you would say, well, no longer? I hope that is brought up in this debate. If that is brought up in this debate, I will cheer. I will raise a claw in in celebration over that. <laughs> but but that is the question. And, and and here's one of the ways I do this. Um, I have what I call the. Um, Christian single mother test. I think about if a single mother converted to the faith, right? What would she be able to do? She has to give her children a Christian education as much as she is able. But given the circumstances she's in, she likely cannot take her children out of the public school, which tells me that is not a across the board biblical mandate. Um, And I think think that's a good way to put it,
1: right? And even... Like when we're talking about educating children, there is a a significant difference between a first grader of and course. somebody Absolutely. who's sixteen. Absolutely, right. So like there there are significant differences there Absolutely. in many ways. You know, I think basically by the time somebody's sixteen, I know this isn't true of most in our culture, but I think when somebody's sixteen, uh, they, they should begin to be treated a bit more like an adult, not fully an adult, not as though they you know have all the rights of an adult, but um, they like they should be treated as a mature young adult, because that's what they should be, right? Um, And and so that's gonna be different than a first grader who literally all they do is just soak in whatever you say and repeat it. They're just gonna soak it in and repeat it. That's a
0: very different place to be. And everyone to give their children the education God calls for is, is going to have to make sacrifices. If you are that single mom and your child has to go to a public education, the amount of involvement and things you'll need to talk about your child with is going to be huge. For those of you that are in uh these these completely few and far between hardly ever happens school districts with problems, right? Those are just <laughs> that's what know that, you know these controversial issues, man. <laughs> <laughs> what show tell or, us about them, Jim. One time in the news, <laughs> and you were like everywhere must be like this. Um like guess what guys? Like you don't need a new truck, you don't need to go on vacation. You can live on one income. And it guess what it means you don't live a normal life. But whatever you're doing, this is we're obeying Christ, right? This is this is what's important.
1: Yeah, man. But, yeah, that's good. Look at you defending public education let, though. Come let, on. I man. know.
0: Well, <laughs> here's the other thing. I hate we use the term public education. Yeah. I want the the debate to be titled Should Christians Use Government Education? There are Other methods to educate the public. Yeah. There are other methods. In fact, government education is a fairly new invention. And guess what? We've done public education before that.
1: Yeah. For instance, private schooling, when you have a state that allows for money to file, follow tax money to follow a child to whatever school they go to, that would literally be a kind of public education, right? I mean, that would be a, a particular means i'm not necessarily defending that although I, I probably would but um just to say that that's another way that you could have yeah. that and it doesn't have to be the current model of government school that we have today right Let me- under the oversight of the department of education right like under under all the all the things that have to do with that
0: it yeah, doesn't it- have to be exactly that way to be public you're saying if if everyone if you want government education don't call me and complain about a Christian nationalist because you have just said the government should decide the exact values and everything children are taught so please don't don't call me and complain about those guys on the internet now let's bring up two problematic arguments one this idea that education is a right is a right um man we with how we speak about education um Again, the arch bad guy, um, uh, Rush Dooney wrote a wrote a book, and its title is just is so great. Even if you don't like him, you got to give this title: the messianic character of American education. Hmm. We describe education as a right because we basically believe it is the savior. It is what we right. This is what she's saying. This is what our communities need. This is what you go to school. You get
1: educated this way, and then your life will be good. As opposed to if you don't get educated this way which is just and like it is an objectively false claim. It's an objectively false claim, right? Yes. That you all you have to do is go to through public education and you will do better. Right? There are many cases in which you would probably do far better if you just stayed at home and all you did was watch YouTube videos or, you know, learn how to read and that's it. You learn how to read and then you're just given books and you just go um when you see the statistics about like the amount of people that get out of the public education or government education system and they literally just can't even read right which what does it even mean to be educated if you can't read right if you can right. graduate as an educated person and you have no right you're just you don't have some kind of special needs or anything like that and you cannot read that like you you've not been, you've not gotten anything if right. anything you have probably uh, you know, been changed for the worse in that case. The,
0: and, and again, we're talking about forming our children, forming Christians. The early Christians who died for their faith in Rome could not read everybody. Jesus loves illiterate people. Like, <laughs> why, why did the Christian West start to prize education so much so people could read the Bible? Yes, that is a good thing. That is an unqualified good thing. But this idea that it's a right, right? This is the like idea of a healthcare being a right. Well, then the question becomes like, well, don't I have a right to go to Harvard? What, like, don't I have a right to like get- It the- is,
1: right. It just gets weird. It gets re- weird really quick and it imposes something on other people, right? There's That's there's true. now all of a sudden something that, that others are literally forced. You, somebody has to give you something, right? If it is a right- it means that somebody else has the duty to give this to you, but there may be cases where it like you can't, right? You can't do that.
0: And, and that's actually okay. That's actually no okay government day. education is proving we can't educate everyone because we're not. Yeah. Right. Like we are spending as much money as is humanly possible and we are not successfully educating everyone. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I I'm sorry. It's true. No, it's true. We're You're right. Not- you
1: are right, Matt. After defending public education, like you did, <laughs> you are well, not you're not wrong um, let me she also this is a little bit different a little bit different topic but one of the things she said was that you know it's it's not just education is right but also that the good of this is that if you're educated in this way then you get to interact with all kinds of different yes people. this
0: was what i was about to bring exactly what i was yeah going to bring you up. get to
1: you know people from all different places all different you walks get to feel all like of an this. exile yeah right. you get to feel an exile um So first off, I had that at a private Christian school. Mm. I mean, I had all of that. I don't, you know, I, uh, this is not, I don't know that I, obviously this is not true of all Christian education, but it's clearly true of a lot of it that you're going to interact with different people. And also the idea that like, it is an inherent good, for a kindergartner to experience all kinds of different people in the world. Right. That's where, like, where are you getting that? That just, that seems like you've just imbibed a certain value from the culture around you. And now you're just spitting it back out, but you're not telling me why that is actually good. Actually, I would, I would see it as probably as a child is younger. uh, It may be best for them to be mostly around just their immediate family so that they can learn within that safe and protected place how to interact with others, how to interact with, you know, siblings and those who are older, who are adults, but they're able to learn how to, you know, basically conquer this small sphere of things. And then they branch out. Then it gets a little bit bigger. Okay, now you get to interact with more people. And then it kind of grows from there. Um, that's the normal way of growth and maturity, right? That's a normal way of, of really everything that grows in God's world. Um, the interaction that you have uh, is is very localized, and then it grows over time. Uh, but what that allows, it ideally, um, and I think this is true in education theory, um, at least in my own education theory. I don't know if it agrees with everybody else's, but uh, when you have that, when you start kids on that small localized level, uh, not saying you can't, you know, they can't interact with the world at all, but like the main interactions they have are are very localized, even in the home, and then slowly working their way out, they're allowed to conquer a lower level. Right, move on up to the next. In other words, you're not starting by trying to bench press 250 pounds. Right, right? you're not like, all right, come on, kid, why can't you do this? You should be able to do this. You should be able to interact with all kinds of weights. Well, that's not true. That's not how things work. The same, the same thing that is true of physical fitness is true of other areas of growth, emotional maturity, spiritual maturity. Um, These things take time to grow into, which is why just exposing kids to all kinds of ideas is not an inherent
0: good. I want to educate my children so they are prepared to interact with people of all other whatever beliefs classes. Like I want them to do it well and I want them to do it in a loving way. I want them to do it in a way that represents Christ. Well, but that's why I educate them. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So they're not learning to do that. I I just, I I feel bad. And, and then this idea that it's good that they stick out, it's good that they're in exile there. Okay, I just I have already said it is not a unqualified Christian requirement for children not to be in public education. Again, I can think of the Christians in communist China where their children have to go to a communist run school, or children in Muslim countries where their children are required by law to go to um, um, Islamic schools are you telling me that's a blessing to those children or is that something that they and their parents must overcome? Like, is that's a struggle. That is a suffering. They are enduring for the sake of Christ and praise God they're doing it like that. They are willing to do it. Right. But none of them would like, none of them would be like, well, of course, I mean, if I had an option, I mean, I'd keep them, I'd let them do this. Right. So, yeah,
1: yeah, can I just say, uh, please do. Maybe just uh, uh, two more quick things, man. Yes, you can. Number one, a helpful way to think about this is all education is discipleship.
3: Mm, it yes. is
1: discipleship. And sometimes we we differentiate the two, right? Oh, well, when you're just re- learning math and and science and you're just learning algebra, you're just learning how to read and grammar, Obviously, this has nothing to do with spiritual matters. It's it's over there. Discipleship is over here. That's not true. All education is discipleship. All education is learning about God and (laughs) the world that he's made. And so I think we should keep that in mind when we're thinking about education options. Again, we don't live in an ideal world. Even if you believe in the ideal public education, uh, we're not all going to be able to live out the ideal, and most of us won't. And so you do have to you have to make decisions that may be hard sometimes and may not be ideal. And that's okay. Um, We're not saying you can't ever do one thing or the other. Uh, We're not trying to put burdens on people that they can't bear. Um, Let me just say one more thing, too. It's weird to say. Obviously, it's crazy to send kids into schools as missionaries. We're just sending them to be educated and discipled by these people.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, yeah.
1: no, and, they would never be prepared to be missionaries. We just give them over to be trained up by them.
0: Right. Do you realize how crazy that sounds? And and, and what she kept saying is it's because worldview is taught in the home and all of that, which is true. We recognize even with covenant children who have the right to baptism, the primary people teaching them are parents. And what you must recognize is if you have the responsibility to educate them give them a Christian discipleship as pastor Michael saying is that means you have the responsibility to oversee who you, who you delegate that responsibility to. So whoever gets to be involved in that, in that process of my child's discipleship and education, I have the responsibility to be involved in that. Right. And so I don't get to just say, well, we do worldview in the home, whatever happens out there, is, is irrelevant. So, all right, Pastor Michael, let's hear from our champion from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, by the way. Um, this is the Restless Podcast, could not emphasize that anymore. So let's hear Jonathan's stance, private school, I guess is what we're calling it. What's your perspective on this issue?
4: We did raise our six children, either homeschooling them or in private school or sometimes a two-day week consortium kind of thing. And, and we would do that again, I think. And there are a number of reasons again that we can we can talk about. But I think before we ask the question of how we're going to educate our, our children as Christian parents, I think we need to ask a more fundamental question. And that is, why? Like, what is education? And, and especially from a Christian perspective, why do we educate our children? And I think when we ask that question first, it'll help us get a better chance at answering how we're going to do that question. And we need to start there. And so I like to sum it all up actually with one Greek word, not just because I'm a Greek professor, because it's a word we don't really have in English anymore. It's the word paideia. And we have some remnants of that word in like pediatrics and pedagogy. But what paideia meant, it was this vision that the ancient Greeks and Romans had that the way to create a good society and the way to create people that flourish is that you need to take people from childishness to maturity or to wholeness through intentionally developing them Very to sorry, love
0: let the Greek perfect, what is true, true
4: and good and beautiful, and not just to know what is true and good and beautiful, but to actually love it. Because our emotions and our affections drive actually everything we do. They're a huge part of our ethics. Our emotions actually are, and education needs to focus on developing children in in training their affections training their understanding training their knowledge in ways that they become whole people so that again they can be happy themselves and also contribute to society now ancient christians adopted this as a category themselves rightly so um, not only for an understanding of what the message of the bible is of really a theological understanding that god is shaping us and forming us into the image of christ taking us from childishness to wholeness So they adopt it as a a theological category, but they also adopt it as a way of thinking about how to raise our children. And that really becomes the foundation for all of Western civilization, really up until the 20th century, this, this fundamental idea of shaping people toward the good and the true and the beautiful. Now, Christians get this from their Jewish heritage. We're familiar with Deuteronomy 6. Let me just read these verses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments that i give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home when you're walking along the road when you lie down when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses so far, and good. your gates the idea here in the hebrew bible and into christian understanding as well is that education is not primarily about learning skills job skills or even learning you know self-expression or something like that the point of education is very clear it's development of virtue and the development of virtue is good for you and good for others as well and of course from a christian perspective that virtue is oriented in god himself that we're learning to imitate god and to be like him and then training our children through our own model and our teaching to love the good to love and to love god and to love neighbor as well so this paideia vision like i said is really driven education for christians forever but we're in a dilemma now we're in a real dilemma for christian parents today because even though up until probably the 20th century um, public education in the united states would have also spoken that exact same way in the 20th century you begin to lose that Um, even in the mid-20th century people like c.s lewis and dorothy sayers are already beginning to or they're seeing lots of problems and beginning to write about it. And Dorothy Sayers wrote a famous essay about this that really became the the foundation for the modern classical school movement. And so already in the mid-20th century, they're seeing that education has lost its bearings. Why do you get an education so that you can get a good job? That kind of mindset is, you know, rampant and is really, really dominates education at every level now. And add to that the difficulties of many moral issues that Christians face, it really puts Christian parents in a huge dilemma. And so while I, um, you know, we chose to homeschool and private school our kids, and while I completely respect and agree that we should, you know, Christian parents need to do what they're able to do, and if public school is their, is their choice, that's great. I think the key thing is that we need to make sure we're starting with the question of what actually education is for. And and why we're doing it. And if, if you start with that, I think it makes the decision a little bit easier if you have a choice. And again, many, many parents simply do not have a choice. But if you think about education as formative of the person, I think it's for us what it meant was we wanted to, you know, be the primary influence. And while I agree with Jen that the home is absolutely central, I know when our kids were little, we were thinking, do we want to be away from them for their waking hours these eight hours a day that are very formative as opposed to what we could give them Um, and we were able to do it it involved a lot of sacrifices and difficulties um, but and we didn't homeschool forever we ended up shifting gears at various points but um, for us it was the way to pursue this this idea of developing people in a certain way and so that's why we good dad and i look forward to further discussion
3: yeah i i love that both of you somewhat providentially maybe ironically too you both mentioned flourishing you mentioned the sermon (laughs) on the mount stuff that both of you are known for so my church is actually going through your study right now and i've been reading your excellent commentary and so when you talk about flourishing and salt and light i'm i'm I know
0: these are things you've thought through. A, a, a good, bit. all right. Well, if you want to flourish as a human and encourage Everyone human flourishing, flourishing, you need to subscribe and share. This is that's the classic YouTuber line. You need <laughs> to support human flourishing. Subscribe to the Restless Podcast. Support us on Patreon. That's what human flourishing needs. Man, this was that guy just briefer, or did I just like? He
1: was he was a lot more brief. Um, he also I was just very it. like it was just a consistent thought. It, it I felt enjoyed like, it uh, more. Jen Wilkins <laughs> jumped all over the place and also used a lot of like buzzwords, a lot of like you know oh. cliche statements. You know, talking about ideal, public ideals, and things like that. Um, whereas he yeah. was just just straight, kind of calm through through line. He said some of the stuff we said, but way better than we did. <laughs> and then
0: Dude. and then it was done. So far, this guy. We love you, Sean Morris, but this guy so far way better than you. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Let
1: let me go ahead and say
0: one thing he pointed out. I think this is as close as we're going to get to like a player own in one of these TGC debates where he's like, yes, Jen, the home is so central, which is why we educated our children there. Like it just it it was this (laughs) mind blowing moment of like, oh, yeah, of course, the why would she, when she's like, the home is so central for teaching worldview. So we just, you know, we had them educated at a government school, right? Like set that them is, away
1: for most of the day. <laughs> yeah, that is,
0: that's a wild complaint. Um, yep. the other thing he pointed out, um, I mean, there's, there's a few things, but I, cause again, I, am not going to repeat the things he said better than we did. Um, and obviously we were in large agreement he pointed out that most of american education today at this point is vocational training training for a job that is true we right people say go to college to get a job right if you go to college and it's not for a job you're wasting your money and your time um and and so again if we're focusing on something that is vocational training we understand why people would say well there's got to be a lot of freedom in how you do that because you learn a trade or a vocation differently. You learn to become a pastor differently than you learn to become a programmer differently than you learn to become a plumber or electrician. Then you become learn to become a Greek professor like he is or a mom, right? All valid and good vocations. You don't learn any of them the same way. So of course we're gonna be like, well, yeah, there's gotta be a lot of ways to do this. But the problem is, is when we've relegated education down to how you get money we've we've lost what education is and, it, and then it should be no surprise at this problem that we're having
1: yeah yeah that's really good I, I loved his focus and emphasis on um this is it's not just about you know training them as far as like giving them knowledge or something like that it's training them to love the right things Right, it, it's training virtue, and it's training them to love, to desire, to have the, the proper affections. Yes. Man, if if what yes. he said, if what he said is true about education, you should be able to look out and see how people are being educated, and tell that there's something drastically wrong. This <laughs> is one of the reasons it was fun to have uh, the conversation I did with Ron Young on the podcast uh, a couple months back. Um, Ron uh, has done a lot of work in classical Christian education. And uh, we had a great conversation about that. Uh, it's why I love a lot of the classical Christian, you know, uh, movement as far as education goes. Uh, you know, you're still going to find some issues there. But, but when, when I critique public education or government schools, a lot of the critiques that I use could just as well fit a lot of private Christian schools. For sure. And based on what he just said, you see why that could be. Because there's a lot of private Christian schools that say, well, we're basically the exact same. We take the same educational philosophy of the secular government schools. And then we just add in, maybe they do a Bible class Yep, and that's it. Yep. Uh, but you're still not uh, training up and building people as people, right? You're, you're following this kind of industrialized indoctrination uh, that." came about seriously in the 20th century. Most educational philosophy today has its roots in the mid of uh, early and mid 20th century. Um, And it does not go back further than that, because if you started to go further back, you would find something that's radically different.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, 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 that comment was, was so great. He made this claim. We need to teach them. To love the right things i went to a good public school everybody like and i know everyone says that which tells me there's probably something wrong with that statement you did you did but But i but you went to
1: one that's known for being very good
0: yeah and um i interacted with teachers who i greatly appreciate in many ways um and i I mean i i I, now obviously we might point out one when i was about to say it's like you know i don't know the status of a lot of their faith Maybe that is, maybe that's a problem, but you know what I didn't learn there. I did not learn to love the right thing. No question. There's not even like the idea that I would have learned that is foreign to me. Right. And at my public university, I didn't learn that. I learned that from like, you know, a 20 year old in campus crusade, right? Like offering to teach me. And is that person the most qualified person to teach me? No but that's where we're at. Like that's where we're at. That's wh- who this is being left to. And so I, I just, at this point, if we take this view of education, right. This is like the first question. Are your children being taught to love the good, the true and the beautiful. Yep. Um, That is seriously
1: yeah. ask that question. That is something that you should ask because that is, man, um, again this is just one example of many that you could go to but you think about the good of something like being able to read i know very few people that came out of whether it be uh you know uh primary education or secondary education uh, what so whether it be you know through high school uh k through 12 or through uh, a, a a you know going to college I, I know very few people who didn't come out of that and think I really don't like reading. Mm. I do not love to read. Now, there may be people that it's really hard for them to read, right? They have difficulty reading. Um, and so obviously there's going to be differences there. But I mean, the majority of people, you can probably, you you probably have this in your life too, right? Anybody who's listening, anybody who hears this, you know, how many people do you know that just love to just dwell upon and meditate on just the the amazing way that god has made the world through things like reading through things like discourse uh, it's not going to be a lot it's not going to be a lot and so you know one of the things he said matt was toward the end you know a lot of people don't have a choice yeah a lot of people don't have a choice and we talked about that and that's why we don't want to put any any burdens on people that says, hey, you're sinning if you ever send your child to a public school. That's that's not something that we would say. Right. That's that would not be right to say that would be putting burdens upon people that, that goes beyond what what really is good or right. That's right. Um, What I do want to say, though, is most people and you already alluded to this, but most people have far more of a choice than they realize mm. what they mean by I don't have a choice is. I really like living on two incomes or I really like having the free time of not having to spend my evenings or my mornings or whatever involved in my child's education. I like being able to just drop them off and go do my own thing. Um, I like that because I'm not the most intellectual person, I don't have to figure out what kind of curriculum my kids are going to use. There's a lot of reasons why you might say, well, it's just you know, it, I don't have a choice. You probably have far more of a choice than you realize. Almost everybody does, right? I, I knew, I, I've known people who are single moms, for instance, and they, what they tried to do was find jobs where they could, you know, uh, homeschool their children while working or like their their children would be a part of it, right? Yeah. That's not always possible. But the fact that people do that shows you, okay, you have a choice. You're just choosing particular jobs, opportunities, uh, you know, uh, a free time, whatever it is, as opposed to choosing, you know, a different means of educating your children.
0: If, As Paul said to slaves, if you have the ability, be free. Yeah. Right. Like these, th- this is why Paul didn't say, oh, you're a slave, you're a debt slave. What? However, the people came to that position, he didn't, he didn't condemn them. And I think you're saying that you have, you do have a lot more freedom and this is, this is important. And obviously let me take one moment to pick on the people who are on our side. Cause again, as is the restless podcast, um, um, tradition, we leave, we leave subjects like this to make sure we have no friends on the other side. <laughs> obviously there are plenty of moms who want to homeschool their kids cause they, basically have a Pelagian view that they can control their children's salvation. And if they didn't do this, they would just have mommy guilt forever. And that is not like, that's not good. There are plenty of kids that have been homeschooled that
1: turn out horribly, right? right? Far worse than a lot of kids that go through the public education system. That's right.
0: That's right. Outcomes are not up to us. Our, our call is to be faithful, but I just think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pitching of Christian education and certain homeschool or whatever that puts it in a way like this is your children's salvation and future no. is on you and how, in how you handle this. Um, so, all right, let's, let's try and get through a little bit more of this as we have a few more minutes, uh, minutes left.
3: Oh. Well,
0: Jen, one thing that Jonathan mentioned was Deuteronomy six
3: and he, I think he phrased it as eight hours a day. You know, I, I have heard people calculate from K through 12 15,000 hours mm. that the children are gone in school. And so I know you agree with Deuteronomy 6 you, you want to see that play out in <laughs> Actually, your I haven't home. Actually,
2: I've heard it before, <laughs> okay. so thank you. Oh, this yeah, is the yeah. first time so you've yeah. the yeah. Old
3: Testament. <laughs> <laughs> so how does how does that play out in your context? Yeah. When when for those 15,000 hours some you know, you know what they're getting Call How do you, you laugh? Um, vibes we're doing. How does Deuteronomy 6 play out in your home?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I think what having them in public school did for us was it really uh, drove home the emphasis of the shared time that we did have being vital. And so you heard in the age range of my kids, they're all very close in age, um, it's all within a four year range. And so you can imagine if we had each child, even in one activity, Uh, that the likelihood we would have family dinners was going to drop significantly. Like I remember even when they were one of my shining moments as a ministry parent was in the early years where we ended up pulling them from the scripture memory program that happened on Wednesday nights at the church because they were getting to bed too late, you know, and it was taking another night out uh, that we had together. And so. With our kids, we we put a pretty heavy limitation on extracurricular activities. We said one or none, and some of them did none. And I'll tell you, countercultural is when your child doesn't have an alter identity involved in a sport or a musical instrument or something like that. That'd I mean, did it's actually... It's too
3: controversial. Yeah. So good too, I, mean, I, yeah, kids sport, I it, would and imagine. Extracurricular activities yeah, and, are
2: crazy. And that really is, um, that's actually kind of one of my hot takes around this is that a lot of times parents end up giving back even more hours to to these other endeavors that they're pulling, not just pulling kids outside of the home for extended periods of time, but where each member of the family sort of develops their own identity around that activity. And their primary place of belonging begins to be in that peer group or that that setting versus in the home. So we were we were vigilant about shared time Mm -hmm. together and not just it wasn't just being in in the home together. It was being in the home together, doing things together. Right. Because you think about even the way that the typical American home is constructed now is so that we can each have our individual spaces. And so we purposefully stacked them up as roommates in their rooms and we purposefully had everybody, you know, you weren't off in your room alone. It was we were all in shared spaces together as much as possible. So we were definitely aware of the time that was being given to the education space being time that wouldn't be family time. Although another mitigating factor for us was that my kids were essentially a peer group for one another moving through school together. They always had someone right there with them. So whatever was going on in their actual peer group was going to be um, to some degree, um, they were insulated because they had a a peer who was also a best friend right there.
3: That's really helpful.
0: So
2: (laughs) I'll
3: put a little bit of my card.
0: Oh, he's can we can we let him put his cards on the table and then then be <laughs> off uh, on this answer?
3: Let's let <laughs> him table. We do my kids go to a Christian classical school in Orlando. Way to go. And I, I actually am something you said is a concern of mine in our context, and it's the exposure to different socioeconomic classes, uh different races, different adversities. And so I'm we're really praying through how do we give our children the
0: all right, let me just answer his question quick. Go to a park, go to a garage sale, <laughs> like go, go like, go Literally anywhere. Just
1: prob- probably walk next door. I mean, I don't know yes. where you live. Maybe you live in like a ritzy part of town, but um, where I live, <laughs> you can just walk down the street and you will meet all kinds of people. So yeah, and yep. I live okay. very much in the country. I mean, I, you know,
0: man. So yeah that 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 laugh they all do together this is we have as you mentioned the light we're doing this is this is the morning show laugh Ah, we're all just we're all just in it together it feels that
1: way think about how dark it felt when uh what's her name the you know british woman was presenting like she was it was just so somber and like like really in your face like how horrible of us how bad like it was like you know there should have been sad music in the background And then here, everything is. It's a morning show. It's all, you know, let's all giggle. Um, So a lot of what she said just there was very good, by the way. Really? A lot of what she said right there was actually, I think it was very good.
0: Okay, great. The,
1: the, hey, we need to focus on, you know, building the family unit, Mm -hmm. uh, right? Not be focused on all these extracurriculars where, our family, each individual in the family builds their identity outside of the family. And so Mm. they become completely differentiated from each other. Um, They're not doing things together. Uh, I think that's a great point, right? Even just in how we live in the home, right? Hey, we're doing stuff together. We're not in our own rooms. We're actually uh, trying to accomplish things together and build things together as a family. That's massive. That is so important. Um, And it's so important that I would encourage you to think about how you could do that. For also the other eight hours of the day, you're not doing that. Sure. Like I, I just, this is, again, this is just my weird take because it is a little bit different than some people's. But one of the reasons that I educate my kids the way that I do is that I want them actively involved in all of these family endeavors that we're doing together. I want us to build up various, you know, businesses and have different projects together. And like, I want to do all of these types of things. Um, And that just, it literally cannot be done in the traditional education setting of you literally go in, you're, you know, you're at school eight hours a day, plus extracurricular activities, which you're expected to do to really bond with other people, be a part of the school. Now there's downsides of that. I'm trying to figure out how do I give my kids the experience of, for instance, doing some kind of like, you know, group sports and those sorts of things that I do think build certain characteristics and character traits that I can't give them just me and them and them and their siblings. Um, I want, I want to give them some of those things. Uh, But anyway, so some of that stuff she said was great. I just think if you listen to what she's saying, it would push against a lot of the other things that she said about why sending them to public education is so important.
0: Yeah. Now. All right. Now it's my turn to just tee off on this a little bit when she's like, well, because we sent them to 15,000 hours of government education the time we did have at home is vital right this is the like saying the time i have with my dying loved one is vital right like of course when you're running out of time the time i have is vital what you just said is there's something wrong we don't have enough time we have to make use of this that that's weird that's not good right but in that analogy you are the one that is slowly
1: poisoning them, right? Yes. And then you're giving them the antidote, right? Like you're, you're okay, here's the, you know, we're, we're taking care of you now. Oh, wow, we almost ran out of time. Like, we, yeah. wow, we almost lost it. And then you're just doing it again. Yes, just, you can stop doing that.
0: We can be intentional, right? Without having to say like, we can't let you spend a moment playing alone because our family needs this, right? <laughs> I, and, I, and I do think, I think Pastor Michael and, and Jen Wilkin point out uh, a good point there. The other thing that is a hilarious thing, again, this is where we go, what defines a good education? I, I mean, this is the question this debate begs, and Jonathan Pennington, to his credit, started there. She did not. She just said, good education, are right for everyone, we should want everyone to have a good education. So we'll just, let me just make clear, her definition of a good education meant pulling their children from the scripture memory club so they could continue to public school kids because they didn't have time to do both. Now, I agree that churches over-program and like turn it into a whole nother thing. And that's, and that's not ideal either. But when your definition is like, I mean, we had to pull them out of the scripture memory thing because we didn't have time with everything else we were doing to have time as a family if we were going to do this. Then you need to do the scripture, like you need to find a way, like because they're not memorizing the scriptures at school.
1: Yeah, we're pre- we're pretty certain about that one,
0: right? <laughs> so I I just what where what defines a good education? What defines a good education? Is it that they can play the bassoon in a class hour? Because that's that's not that good. It doesn't ever sound that good. Just so you know.
1: <laughs> right. It it plays- will be-
0: my wife played bassoon, by the way. She, if
1: she's still That's watching, so which she's almost definitely not, she's going to take that very personally. Uh-oh.
0: All right. <laughs> well, we have 10 minutes left, and the next uh, section is called Two Extreme Views. Which side of the debate do you think might be the side that has two extreme views potential? <laughs> um, so let's let's listen to a little bit of this, and then we'll talk about how we'll finish this. That exposure
3: that you get very naturally in the public school what have y'all done to that end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that too. Yeah, and I
4: think probably the classical schools especially struggle with that because of the cost of it for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably happened in church more than any other way. However, even then, churches tend to be kind of homogenous as well. So I just acknowledge that that is a disadvantage of, of a lot of private school and homeschool situations. I don't know what to say
3: beyond that. I, I share that value as well. Yeah. yeah, that's helpful. So one thing that, that that we've talked about. So he
0: said this in a very winsome, very nice guy way. He's just saying, yeah, I guess that's a disadvantage, but at least my kids get a question education. Like that's what he was saying. Like, oh, too bad. Like, I, I I don't know. Uh,
1: It's hard, but this is still better. So
0: yeah, I'm glad he took 10 seconds on that. Right. Uh, Good for you, Jonathan. And one thing that we've talked about is that there are polarities
3: on on either side of y'all who are more dogmatic about, um, the decisions that they've made. And, and you obviously extend a lot of charity to each other and other families because of reasons that you've stated, what dangers do you see in the hearts of the extremes? And I'll, I'll ask each of
0: you to address the heart on the extreme of your particular side. Can, can we, we don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Both of the debates, maybe they're not all like this. Why is the, the biggest concern with TGC the people not um, in the debate, right? Like mm-hmm. these, these extremists out there, these extremists who really want everyone to get a Christian education or these extremists who really want everyone to do what they're already doing.
1: Yeah, I, that's interesting. Well, I mean, TGC, we've talked a lot about this, obviously, and even, you know— um, something that was pretty much said uh, we, uh, about the forming of TGC is that TGC was made to kind of found the, the center of evangelicalism, sure. right? Like to, yeah. to define the limits of the conversation within evangelicalism in a way that they wanted it. Yeah. Um, that's what's being done here too, right? The True. Anything outside of what we're saying in here is an extreme that's unacceptable. Uh, and that's what they're trying to do. Now we've pointed out and we'll continue to point out what they find acceptable. Uh, like they're, they're just going to assume it right. They're assuming like these two that we have in this room, this is totally acceptable. right? Right. So in other words, Jen Wilkins position that's within the acceptable bounds of, of what we should think about, allow, teach, um, and so they, they are, the whole debate is about deciding what is or is not acceptable. It's defining yeah. the conversation.
0: That is, that is so important. Um, that, cause that clearly, that clearly is the goal. So let's, let's listen to a little bit more of, of, and let's listen, like, what are the unacceptable views, right? That, that I think is actually an interesting question. What is going to, what will TGC prevent? present as unacceptable views. We have about five minutes left. So a lot of this is going to be a tease for when we uh, release the rest of this uh, good faith debate. So I've I've been starting
3: with Jen. I'll start with you, Jonathan. Yeah. I I mean, that's really important. And that, and that
4: was one of the reasons why I was hesitant to have this conversation, not because uh, it wouldn't go well with Jen. I've been in her home many times and know her kids and they're wonderful. And it has been fun to see how well,
3: you know, each other. Yeah, It's been
4: great. And, And again, we have many, great public school teachers and counselors and others in our church as well i'm their pastor and i you know i care for them and there's no demonization going on at our church at all but i you're right that is the case in in broader christian culture but i i you know we were very involved in the homeschool movement especially back in the 90s and early 2000s and i so i'm not involved anymore but one of the things you definitely see in a lot of that world is a very pull up the drawbridge us versus them. Throw some holy hand grenades over the. It's a my Python reference. Throw some holy hand grenades <laughs> over the uh, <laughs> over the walls and and a very hold up. Um, us versus them. Morning show laugh. The laugh that yeah. is <laughs> not healthy. It's not healthy on any side of any spectrum. I, one of my life principles is that the degree to which our life energy is motivated by things we're opposed to is the degree to which we're unhealthy, and that applies on the left <laughs> and the right. And, and so I'm afraid that a lot of fear-mongering happens and also a lot of fear-driven um, motives are behind a lot of people homeschooling and, and doing private school. I'm afraid of they're going to come get our kids or something, and, and no good decisions come out of fear, no good decisions. So you see, I, I think you do see a us versus them mindset, and it's probably a reaction to the overuse of the, and this misuse of assault and light idea. Um, and so a lot of times homeschool people will say, you know, I'm not putting my kids in salt and light and I, and I agree with you. I think that's not the best way to think about it. And so we're going to hold up and protect our kids. And so I think that's that's the difficulty. Um, and again, this is where the pidea idea really applies to whether you have your kids in public school or private school. There are plenty of Christian schools that don't do idea either. Like they're not really shaping. They're seeking to protect and defend. And creating an us versus them, and I would say that I would be critical of that approach as well. And so, anything that um, disengages us with culture, that doesn't value the common good, <laughs> and doesn't seek to create people of, of virtue, whether it's in a Christian school or not, is not good. Okay, It's good.
0: There we go. All right, thirty-one thirteen timestamp. So, Pastor Michael, as we uh, as we come to a close. I'm going to um, I'm going to have to call you out as the drawbridge mentality. If there was someone I ever met who could be con- who could be accused of having created a drawbridge <laughs> around their lifestyle, it might be a person who raises their own food, raises their own animals, uh, has their children involved in that, keeps them in homeschool and <laughs> it seems it seems like you might be on the extreme. I'm living here. I'm living in town. I've got people all <laughs> over. I mean, we see the signs. We're 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 in the mix. Um, we literally yeah, teach I, our kids to like see.
1: You know, almost all uh, you know kid movies. Even today, it'll be like you know a kid in New York City, and we teach our kids to be like, oh, what a horrible place. <laughs>
0: So my wife was giving me such a, such a disapproving look as, as she's producing, uh, as producing this, but pastor Michael, what, what, uh, what is, what does he mean? Um, what, what is he talking about? Cause we're going to talk about if, if motivation by things you're opposed to means you're an unhealthy, crazy person. Um,
1: yeah, well, I will just speak to that. Really quick, um, when there are people that literally say things like, "Well, we're going to get your kids." Well, we're going to turn your kids against you. Uh, that kind of thing is happening. Of and
0: course, quite so, literally. So, like
1: to say, "Well, I'm going to protect my kids from these people." It's not necessarily wrong. However, the stuff he's saying is, I, I actually do think it's true. I do think that there is a way in which, especially within the homeschool and even Christian school world, um, there can be the mentality that. Basically, uh, a kind of overprotection, right? It's, it's, uh, this is a very common sin among mothers, particularly um, to actually idolize their children. I know TGC loves to talk about idolizing the family and idolizing kids, and they're almost always wrong. He's going to get a blog. (laughs)
0: He's going to get a blog. Almost always wrong.
1: But it's not wrong to say that it's possible to turn your children into an idol. And one of the ways that that's done is. I need to just keep them right. Like I need to keep them. And, uh, like 100% trust my ability to keep them as the way that they, you know, they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to grow up into being people that, you know, hate me or hate God or, or what have you. Um, and, and often this, you know, th- this comes out of a, a kind of lack of trust. Uh, but, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. So I, I think some of the things he said is, is true. Um, it's not what I'm doing, Matt. What I am doing, by the way, is not building a drawbridge, but literally trying. I feel the weight, the need to rebuild community and society. And so I'm literally going back to the things that I think actually build that, right? What are the foundations of an actual society, uh, well I like it's all the stuff I have to do now. so so yeah. that's what I'm yeah. doing. Um, no. So if if I'm building a drawbridge it's so that we can get over the moat so that other people can come in right like I yes. want to build the kind of world this is this has been my educational philosophy for a long time and also my my uh, philosophy for engaging in culture I want to build the kind of world where it is more consistent and where it's easier. For my children to be Christians, right? Like yes. I want to build the kind of world where it is more natural. That's a better word than easier. Um, I don't mean like no hardship. I just I mean more nat. It is more natural for them to be Christians rather than a world which is antagonistic at every point. Yes. And so, if I have to, if I have to bring them home to educate them to do that, I'm going to do that. Um, I don't think that's the only option, but I do think that that's a valid option.
2: Um, yes. If
1: I have to, you know, uh, do a lot of other things like. Try to start businesses with them, like try to uh, you know engage them in production of food, whatever it is. Like I need to do those things, um, not because everybody has to do those things, but I do feel the weight of trying to, to, in a sense, rebuild
0: community. Yeah, yeah. You know, rebuild society. And and this is why I want to bring it up because I want to point out that this that your motive really matters, right? Yeah. That someone like looking like, well, we've just got to get, like, we've just got to get away from everyone and get out of everything. I I, like that motive is not inherent to a form of education or lifestyle. Um, I also think this idea of like, well, you can't do anything motivated by fear. No, you definitely can do things motivated by fear. You can, you can make decisions going, man, if I do this, something will bad will happen. There's a humongous threat. I must respond to what he's right about though, is that people who are afraid of what might be happening in a wider society or may have had a bad experience in public schooling and have run to your home school or run to your Christian school. They should not get to pick the curriculum. They don't know what they need. They just know I'm leaving that and they're doing the right thing, right? Like they are like fleeing a bad thing though, doesn't yet mean you do know what the right thing is. But we should not condemn people that are like, I just realized this problem in my life and I'm running away from it. Well, no, don't run. Like, no, there are times where you've got to run, right? Jesus in the book of Revelation said, come out of her. He tells them, get out of Babylon. Whatever that looks like, whatever is fully devoted to things that are opposed to Christ and the systems of the world, run. And why does he say run? Because it's going down. Yeah. Jesus says, "You better run because it's going down, and it is for sure. There is no doubt." And so, again, I want to defend the parent who who has made these decisions because they're like, "I don't know what else I can do. I know there are bad things going on, and I have to do something." Right? I I, I don't like. I don't want to require. This is the other thing I'm wondering if these debates are going to always be like. Well, the sophisticated Christians, we might do different things. But at least we're sophisticated about doing them. If that is where these kind of all end up agreeing, I'm going to be I'm going to be pretty bummed. Right. I'm going to be pretty bummed.
1: Yeah, totally. Hey, guess what? Like this is, you know, maybe the encouragement is, uh, you know, this So this happens in the homeschool school world and in the classical Christian school world a lot is, wow, look, like it's all about the outcomes. Look at like this you know, 14-year-old homeschool kid that went to Harvard. Or like, right. What if, you know, all kids could do this. And by the way, I do think that one of the benefits that you can actually, you know, teach your kids enough that they can progress a lot faster than they would in the typical uh, school sure. system. But that's not the goal, right? That's right. the idea it's yep. all about. That may happen. That may be like a, a byproduct of what you're doing. But somebody could do that. Somebody could like be just a wonder kid as far as what they know by the age of 15 or 16 or or what have you and not love the right things Mm. and leave your house and they don't love God and they don't love you and they don't love things because of how they were trained. So this goes back to that first principle of what is the goal here? What is the point of education? Education is discipleship. It is discipleship in everything you do. You're training your child how to love God. So if that means they never pass a, you know, second grade math level, but they love God, that's better than if they do pass that, but they don't, right? Like that, it, it, if they come out the other end and they are um, the smartest person on earth right now, it would not matter if they do not love
0: God, that's right. They what can a man give if he loses his soul? Right. Yeah. He gains exactly. the whole world and loses Exactly. It.
1: And so they can know very little. This is, uh, this is my encouragement to, you know, uh, all kinds of folks, but especially folks who maybe they're like, well, I don't really want to homeschool because I don't, I don't totally know what I'm doing. Um, that may be the case. And I don't think everybody's suited for homeschooling. Uh, I really don't. Right. Um, however, you know, teaching your child to love God, right? To memorize scripture, read the Bible, to know the the gospel, uh, that's, that's a great place to be. That's and right. that's okay. If, if they get there and they can just work hard, you know, they, they're just, uh, you know, uh, at that point, you've done a pretty good job. Uh, there are more things to be done. There's more things as it, as it comes to maturity, but that's a good thing and, and it's okay.
0: Well, we are so thankful for everyone who joined us here on the live stream. Obviously, this will be on a podcast. This will be available on demand immediately following this. Pastor Michael and I are going to finish watching this good faith debate, which I actually look forward to more than i look I know, forward this to is, this has
1: been really fun i think i've had fun i don't so, know if you've said anything that's crossed the line i feel like we've been pretty even i think we've taken a pretty good i think survey. we've been
0: pretty positive we've been pretty we've been pretty uh we've been we have not been motivated by fear tonight everybody i can tell you that much this has been a healthy healthy live stream and so we will post the rest of our reaction next monday night at this same time, we will not be here live, though we might check in on the chat, so maybe you can enjoy the premiere if you like, um, and then we'll have a normal podcast, so we are going to make sure that every Monday night there is good faith content coming from the Restless podcast this summer, so we hope you enjoy it, we will have other episodes coming out, um, I think that there's there's a lot to do and a lot of, a lot of fun to have, so Pastor Michael, we are... Um, We are, we're we're having a good time and we are going to find out, we're going to start by finding out what are the things that are too extreme for parents who send their kids to the public school.